Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you're about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Are You Ready? Part 3. The second coming, we're doing the second coming, and the title, secondary title, sec, the second coming, the water breaks. Mark 13, 14 to 23. Now, I, I know this last few weeks has been a little bit scary, where you've been kind of hitting the end times, which is revelation, and uh, I, I, I only preach what's there, so don't be upset with me, but, but come next week, because it's the happy ending. Alright? That's the way it is with the Bible. There's a, there's a, the trial, then the happy ending. There was the cross, there was the resurrection. There's the, this whole end time scenario, but then there's the second coming. So we get through this, this time, and we've been looking at the second coming of Jesus Christ, and comparing it to a birth process, because that's what Jesus did. He called it, used the picture of a birth. And we start out talking about the birth pains. And what were, anybody remember some of the birth pains? Yes, I, I, heard, I heard them all, I think. False Christ, wars, earthquakes, and famines. Once again, get the CDs or the, ta- uh, CDs or the podcast, catch up on it. Then we talked, the next step was the contractions. And remember we talked about contractions? They get closer together and more intense. And Jesus moved into a contraction phase. What were some of the contractions we talked about? A persecution, apostasy, the false prophets, the wickedness increasing, the worldwide witness... Once again, heavy stuff. Today we go to the next step in the process, and that's the water breaking. Have you ever been there for a birth? I've been there for several. And uh, you go through the birth pains, the contractions, and the water breaks. And when that happens, there's a big increase in the pressure and the intensity. Everything is hitting the fan because the baby is coming, which we'll see next week. The baby being the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to look at when the water breaks. If you really want to go in depth with this whole part that we're going to be talking about today, we have the CDs available of the Daniel and Revelation sermon series that we did years back. They go really even deeper. If you want to do that, you can see Katie and, and go there, okay? Let me pray. Father, we pray for your spirit to speak to us today through your word. It is hard to read about these things and to even be starting to experience these things that we're talking about in the world today. But we want to be prepared, we want to be ready, and we want to be living ready for Jesus to come again. We pray for your mercy and grace to prepare us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so it's pretty clear that we've been through this. The birth pains are long past. We're in the contraction phase. They're increasing. We, we saw that in the Word. We see that in our culture today. And now we're going to get into the water breaking. Mark 13, verse 14. We'll start with, we'll go all the way through verse 23. Verse 14. When you see the abomination that causes desolation... Standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back and get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter, because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect. 
if that were possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. And that's the whole point of this. Being on our guard, Jesus is warning us about what's coming. And what is the water breaking? What is the, really the dam breaking here? What is it? Who are we talking about here? Right, and who sets it up? Yeah, what? Yeah, the sacrifice in the temple, but who's, who's this all about? Yeah, the Antichrist, right. The Antichrist sacrificing in the temple. This, this is the Antichrist. When the Antichrist is on the scene, we're in the last seven years. You, know, you can really kind of set the clock at that point. All right, we're in the last seven years. And let's read the first few verses again. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountain. Then he goes on to talk about that whole process there. The abomination that causes desolation. Where do we hear that before? Anybody here a few years back? Daniel, right, Daniel, Daniel 9.27. We spent a lot of time on this. In Daniel 9.27, Daniel says, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up the abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. And we, if you remember our study, the Antichrist will be heading up the revived Roman Empire. He's going to be heading this up. He will be a superman. Superman. He's going to solve the world's problems. He's going to f- somehow bring a temporary peace. Everybody's going to be all excited. War's going to be stopping. Though He's going to solve global warming. Oh, I mean climate change. He's going to solve climate change. He's going to f- solve the food problem, the water problem. Uh, the, the Chicago Cubs are going to win the World Series. He's going to do all kinds of things, right? He's going to be amazing. Uh, now, if the... And if, you can imagine what it's going to be like as he's coming into the scene. If the rapture has already happened, if Jesus has already come and taken us up, then the, the, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit, then the world's going to be in chaos. The USA will be gutted. We'll be losing 50, well, maybe 5% of our population, uh, actual true Christians, right? The Antichrist even solves the Middle East crisis. Somehow he's going to work out a temple for the Jews, and they're going to have sacrifices again. He says that he's going to, if, as we look at these three different passages today, we see that he signs a covenant with Israel for seven years. They will think he's a great guy, maybe even their Messiah. They're going to be pulled into this, but really he's their worst nightmare. The doomsday clock is ticking. Think Holocaust times 1,000. And it's going to be a horrible time because he's really building the temple for himself. That's why he allowed it to be rebuilt. He's building it for his father, the devil, right? He's building it for himself. He's possessed by the God of this world. We know Satan has possessed this guy. He wants to be worshipped and he wants his father to be worshipped. And so after three and a half years of allowing the Jews to have their worship in their temple, he's going to break the deal and he's going to set up the abomination that causes desolation. What is that? It's his own image. He's going to set up his own image in the temple and demand to be worshipped. He's going to set up an idol of himself and demand to be worshipped. We see idolatry comes full circle. Full circle here. And we see prophesied in, we see this prophesied in Daniel. We spent many weeks on this. Jesus reinforces it in Mark and Matthew. And then we get a full picture of what's going to happen in Revelation 13. In Revelation 13, let's pick it up with verse 1. Verses 1 through 11, we see a full, even a fuller picture. It's all Old Testament, New Testament, Last Testament, 
Last book of the Bible, the Apostle John says, And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns, and in each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but he had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? This is the Antichrist we're talking about here. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All those whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has ears, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. That's the full picture we get here. The Antichrist is the head of the revived Roman Empire. The revived Roman Empire, which we already see in place, the European Union. If you look at the European Union, the borders, the geography, it's all being set up. The seventh head is the Antichrist. There were seven. If you weren't here for the book of Revelation, get the CDs once again. We went in depth on this. But the seventh head we showed was the Antichrist. He survives a death wound somehow. It's a miraculous counterfeit of the resurrection. He's killed, but who's he filled with? With power? The dragon's power. Satan, he's, he's alive again. He now has complete demonic Possession. He's completely dominated by Satan now. Think of uh, the Avengers movies or some of these superhero movies when, when the villain who's, who's a pretty bad guy but then something happens and, and he falls into a vat of you know, some kind of radioactive material and he comes out super evil and he wants to dominate the world. And, and that's, that's the picture, the, the, that superhero. That's the picture. This guy is, is completely evil now. And he demands to be worshipped or death. Worship me or death. Just like the Roman Empire. Now, this is the revived Roman Empire. This is the, the culmination of the Roman Empire. This is the, the final emperor of the Roman Empire. And remember, the original Roman emperors demanded from the church. They said, worship me, offer sacrifice to me or death. And we saw the mass persecutions, starting in the book of Acts, going out through the early New Testament church, the persecutions, and that's a picture. Only this guy is going to be much, much worse. The second half, when he breaks the covenant with Israel, it starts the second half of the tribulation. It's the great tribulation, the last three and a half years on the planet Earth before the second coming of Christ Jesus. And the Christians and the faithful Jews, the Christians and faithful Jews will be martyred by the millions. Now, that's the Antichrist. But there's another person, another key person to watch out for when the dam breaks. And that, let's look over at Mark 13 again. In Mark 13, 21, he says, At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it, for false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect 
if that were possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. We've already talked about false prophets, both in the birth pains and in the contraction phase. But at this time, at the water-breaking phase, we have the culmination. We have a culmination of a false prophet who's, who now has the ability to do miracles and deceive people, do these powerful miracles. This is just following the talking about the Antichrist, and we see this false prophecy put out, and we, see, we get the full picture of what Jesus is talking about in Revelation 13. Going back to Revelation 13, we already read about the Antichrist, but look, look what, right after the Antichrist, look what it says, and keep in mind Mark 13, 21 to 23, the, the miracles and the false prophet. We get, we get the, the, the real false prophet, the culmination of it. Then I saw, on verse 11, Revelation 13, verse 11, then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, he had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fa fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even, ca even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. So we see just following the Antichrist, we have the false prophet. Now, we've already talked about the false prophets and contraction, but this time, this is the culmination. The culmination. He says he's like a lamb. What is a lamb? Seems harmless, right? A lamb, maybe even Christianish, maybe even a Christian background, maybe in claiming some kind of a Christian following. I'm a Christian, right? Religious for sure. He's religious for sure, but what he's setting up is a one-world government. I'm sorry, a one-world religion. The one world government has already been set up by the Antichrist. He's setting up a one world religion in Rome. In Rome. The Roman Empire. This Roman culmination. And, but he's, oh, he looks like a lamb. He's really got dragon's breath. <laughs> right? Not because he needs tic tacs, but because Satan has inspired this guy. And his goal is this one world church that will worship the Antichrist. But who are they really worshiping? The dragon. Really, the goal is, just as we worship God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, this is the unholy trinity. He's trying to get people to worship, just as we have the Holy Spirit and, and the Son and the Father. This is the unholy trinity, the counterfeit trinity, and he's going to try to get everyone to worship Satan through the Antichrist. That's what his goal is to do. And you can see how this is all being set up. We all worship the same God, you know. Everybody does, you know. It's true. All these people that worship all these other gods all do worship the same God. The Bible says they're worshiping Satan. In the Old Testament, it says you worship idols. Those are, you're worshiping demons through your idols. In all these false religions, they're worshiping Satan. That's what they're doing. 
And it's finally going to come out. They're going to see who they're really worshiping here. And he's going to deceive them with miracles. He's going to be able to call down fire from heaven. And some people say, well, it's probably satellite, you know, in some kind of a, you know, Star Wars system going on. But I don't think it's that. It, although this would be confusing to Apostle John seeing this thousands of years ago. I think this is occult powers. This is occult powers. Satan is giving them a special occult power to counterfeit Elijah, fire from heaven. Counterfeiting, right? Now, why does God allow the Antichrist and the false prophet to do this? Why does he give them this kind of power that he's only reserved for himself up to this time? Why is he giving them this power? Why? Second Thessalonians. And boy, you just got to look. The Bible is all connected. All right? All connected together. There's a reason why. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Second Thessalonians 2, starting with verse 1, he says, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, this is our whole focus, right? The second coming. We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. The word rebellion in Greek is apostasy. The apostasy, remember we talked about that last time? Until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction, he will oppose and will himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Connecting the dots. Then go down to verse 9, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. Now get this. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned to have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. That is a scary, scary verse. God is allowing them to be deluded. In fact, sending the delusion. He's allowing this to happen in the book of Revelation, end times, now, because they refuse grace, because they refuse the truth. These the planet Earth at this point, and most of the people on the planet Earth, have now crossed the line of mercy and grace. And God has given them over to delusion. Given them up. He has given up on them. That's scary, isn't it? Here's a warning for us. If we consistently refuse God's truth, hear me on this. He will ultimately give us over to the lie of our choice. If we consistently refuse God's truth, he will give us over to the lie of our choice. We see it in churches and denominations all over this country. Churches that once followed God's word and believed the gospel and preached Christ, but have, give, have turned away and, and followed lies. They've turned their back on the word. And what has happened to these churches and denominations? They're dying out. The Holy Spirit has departed. Their lampstand has been removed. They're hemorrhaging. 
We see it in the United States, this delusion. So those who are a little older, I'm getting up there. Those who are a little older, remember what this country was like. And we see what's happening now, what's happening being taught in schools and in colleges and in the media. And we see these in the things that are being happening. And it's like a horror movie. You're like, how could this happen? How could our country have gone from here to here in our lifetime? And we've seen it and experienced it. And the young people don't even know the difference. I tell my kids all the time, you don't even know because you grew up under this brainwashing. You don't know what it used to be like morally. It's just been just unbelievable. But what has happened? We have rejected God and God has given us over to the delusion. How can we do these crazy things? God has given us over to a delusion. And I'm afraid we've crossed the line. I'm afraid we have. Only revival can save us. And it has to start in the church. But I'm afraid we've crossed the line. I just give you a, connect a couple of dots. We do this all the time. I got just a couple today. I don't know if you've been following the news, but uh, the Temple of Baal was destroyed in Palmyra, Syria. I don't know if you've been following that. ISIS destroyed the Temple of Baal. And, and uh, the archaeologists, everybody's all upset about this. New York Times article, I was just reading about it. It says, the Temple of Baal coming to New York. It said, a rep- reproduction of a 50-foot arch that stood at the Temple of Baal in Palmyra, Syria, will be erected in New York City uh, this month. As you will... S- as you will see below, I'm going to read you some of the article. It turns out that there are plans to put arches in hundreds of more cities all over the globe. The organization behind this is the Institute of Digital Archaeology, which is a joint venture between Harvard University and the University of Oxford and Dubai Museum of the Future. The initial arches from the Temple of Baal will be erected in New York and London as part of UNESCO's World Heritage Week in April, and they're intended as a gesture of defiance against ISIS, obviously. But ultimately, the plan is to share this cultural treasure with as many cities around the planet as possible. If you go to Times Square in New York this month, you will not be able to miss these giant arches, according to the New York Post. They will be 48 feet high and 23 feet wide. Now, there's churches being destroyed all over the place. Beautiful churches all over the place. But you don't see those being, you know, remembered in New York City, do you? You don't see giant... Can you imagine putting up a 50-foot cross in New York City to remember the Christians being killed in the Middle East or all over the world? No, 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 of course not. The life-size model of the original 2,000-year-old structure known as the Arch of the Temple of Baal will stand approximately 48 feet high, 23 feet wide. Now, this is, now I'm going to read you a little bit of synopsis on this. It says, this is an extremely disturbing development. Baal worship is definitely not something that we should be celebrating as a society. There were very good reasons why the God of the Bible found it so incredibly repulsive. Something from Scott Brown. I'll get read you a few mentions from Scott Brown. He says, We know there were usually lots of people gathered during Baal worship, often on a high hill like a theater or a stadium, to observe public sex, just like we see in movies and television and on the Internet today. 1 Kings 12, 25-33. People danced around the Asherah pole, which was nothing more than a phallic symbol, the people also acted out lustful, licentious body scenes, orgies, Deuteronomy 23:17, Isaiah 57, 5-8. Uh, they acted out these orgies that are popular in all of today's movies and sitcoms and internet. 
On top of that, they invited the crowd to participate, 1 Kings 14.24. Now here we go. In addition to everything you've just read, child sacrifice was a central feature of Baal worship. This is what Jeremiah 10.4 says. Because they have forsaken me and have estranged this place and have burned incense in it unto other gods whom neither they nor their fathers have known nor the kings of Judah and have filled this place with the blood of innocence. They have built also the high place of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal which I commanded not nor spake it neither came it into my mind. Therefore behold the days come saith the Lord that this place shall no longer be called Topheth nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. Just like ancient Baal worshippers, the USA is a society that is addicted to watching other people have sex. In fact, it has been estimated that 68% of all Christian men watch pornography on a regular basis. And just like ancient Baal worshippers, we are a society that engages in child sacrifice. We call it abortion. Since Roe versus Wade in 1973, there have been almost 60 million children killed. Many people regard America as modern-day Babylon, and now we're going to have a monument that directly links us to Babylon right in the heart of our most important city. I Googled that, been following this story, and apparently they're not going to put it up right now. Nobody knows why they've changed their mind. I like to think it's because so many Christians wrote them and said, don't do that, don't do that. But my guess is that probably one ISIS member called them and threatened to blow up New York City over it. That's probably the real reason they're not doing it. And speaking of abortion and crossing the line of grace, the whole Planned Parenthood thing is just unbelievable. This Saturday, the 23rd, we're going to be meeting at the Planned Parenthood in Warminster. And uh, Terry and Gail have or- helped organize this. And it's going to be a prayer rally. We're going to pray and, and just ask God to forgive us and, and just try to-, to pray for repentance in our country. You've been following the story of Planned Parenthood. This has been going on for a long time. It's finally been exposed. They've- they're killing the babies and t- selling their body parts and making lots and lots of money, millions of dollars. Uh, but- so how has the government reacted? They just raided the, 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 and arrested the people who made the videos, who did the undercover videos. Did you follow the story? How many federal agents were involved in it? Eleven federal agents charged in. They took the videos that were made, undercover videos that were made of people selling the body parts because they broke the law. Not the people selling the babies. No, the people exposing it have been arrested. What does that remind you of? Anybody read history in Nazi Germany, it's unbelievable. We're there. We've crossed, I'm afraid we've crossed the line of grace. And here's a warning for us. If we consistently refuse God's truth, he will ultimately give us over to the lie of our choice. Think of ourselves as individuals and addictive sins. The Bible calls them, the, the, the world calls it a disease. The Bible calls it besetting sins, addictive sins. These are doors we open and we, and we reinforce over and over again. Addictive sins. And, and if we keep on giving ourselves over to that sooner or later, what happens? We get locked into that addiction and it kills us. Even the gospel can fall under the same category. 
if we keep hearing the gospel, we keep hearing Christ preach, but we keep rejecting it, the time will come when our heart is so hardened. We've heard it so many times, and we, our heart will be hardened, and we won't re- accept it because our heart has been calloused and hardened. God has given us over. I've seen it. I've been with people on their deathbed pleading with them to accept Christ like the thief on the cross. Sometimes they do, and it's awesome, but it's amazing the people that don't. Because their heart has been hardened. There's no hope. And I hope that's no one here that's gone that far. I doubt it because you're here. (laughs) You're here. There is only one protection now. And there's only one protection later in in the, the end times, which might not be too far off. To keep from falling to this deception, to keep from falling during this time, there's one chance. There's only one protection. And that's faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ is the only protection. In Mark 12, back to, I'm sorry, back to Mark 13, verse 22, he says, For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible. It's not. The elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard, I've told you everything ahead of time. The only protection is faith in Jesus Christ. Only the elect will not be deceived. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin, I ask you to forgive me. I give my life to Jesus. The moment you do that, the Holy Spirit comes in and the blinders come off and we're no longer controlled by the God of this world, blinded by the God of this world. Now we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and we can see things that we've never seen before. You remember when it happened? A lot of you remember that. It's like, what just happened? I used to be able to do this, now I don't enjoy it anymore. I used to do this, and there's this deep conviction. I used to think this way. What? I used to think that was okay. I used to think that was okay. I used to just watch the news and believe everything they said. I used to just drink out of the toilet for the rest of the world, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes in, and now there's conviction, and there's a power to change. We're not perfect, but there's a power to really start that fight and that battle. And, and, and our eyes are open, and our mind begins to fill. And we read the Bible, and what used to be just words on a page now burn like fire. The only way to escape the delusion now, and it's there now, and escape it later, the only way to escape it is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. In Revelation 13, 8, it says this. In Revelation 13, we already read this, verse 8, he says, All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Everybody's going to fall for the delusion except for one people. That's the people of Christ. Those who have put their faith in Christ and their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The only ones who won't fall for this deception. Have you had your name written in the book of life? Have you ever, the moment you put your faith in Christ, the moment you give your life to him, your name is written in that book. And that book will be opened someday. With God on on the throne. And that book will be opened. And all whose names are written in it. Can go into God's presence. And those who 
haven't been written in, well, you read the book of Revelation. It's not a pretty picture. It's vital, it's vital. As Christians, we must start to practice discernment now because the deception is going to deepen. We must practice discernment now. The spirit of the Antichrist is already here. He's already at work. Just because he isn't here physically, although he may be. (laughs) We won't connect those dots. But anyway, he may be. Uh, We may already see him on the world stage already. We don't know. He may be here. But his spirit has been, Satan's spirit has been setting the stage. In 1 John 4, 3, it says this. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Already here, 2,000 years ago. Satan's spirit is already at work. That's why it's important that we learn to discern. Don't listen to the world's lies. Don't listen to what the media is saying. Don't listen to what these religious leaders who are not following God's word are saying. Don't listen to what the, the politicians are saying. Don't, look at what they do, not what they say. Remember that fruit, right? We must know God's word. We must live it. We must believe it. We must live it. Knowing it, believing it, and living it. It's vital because the day of testing is near. Revelation 13, 8. I just read that a few minutes ago. Verse 8. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All those whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. And then now listen to this. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he, he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Faithfulness. And I know what some of you might be thinking, wait, what about the rapture? <laughs> When's that going to happen? Well, it's not clear in the Bible when it's going to happen. Some people like to believe it's going to be pre, and, and I pray for that. And if there's a vote, I vote for that. But it's not as clear as everybody makes it sound. We pray for pre-tribulation rapture. We prepare for post-tribulation rapture. That's the biblical way to do it. Pray for one, prepare for the other. I hope it is pre, and if it is, I'll be the first one in the air. You're going to have to catch up to me. But we don't know for sure when Jesus is going to take us. It's not that clear. We just know he's going to bring us up. We know that. Okay? But... Having said that, we don't have to fear whether we go up at the beginning of the tribulation, we're out, we miss all this, or we go in the middle, the mid-tribulation, or we go at the end. It doesn't matter. We don't have to fear. You know why? Because God will give us grace when we need it. Corey Ten Boom, the hiding place, went through tribulation. And she says, God gives you the grace when you need it. It's not something you can... Go through yourself. It's when the time comes. And a lot of you have been through trials. You know what I'm talking about. How did you get through the trial you've been through? The cancer and the the deaths and the traumas and the prodigals and all that. God gives the grace at the time. Don't fear. Just practice faithfulness. Living by faith. We're saved by faith. We have to live by faith. Practicing faithfulness. And what he says here in in Revelation 13 there, uh, this calls for patient endurance and 
faithfulness. Practice the faithfulness. Living by faith. It's the small test. Right now we're going through small tests. But how we handle the small test prepares for the bigger test. How we handle the small temptations prepares for the bigger temptations. How we handle the small trials are preparing us for bigger. And as we're faithful through the small stuff, that's preparing us for bigger. Listen, if you're going through a, a, a trial right now, and, and if we cave in and we collapse and, and we lose it over small trials, even bigger trials, we do that, we won't be ready for the big one. What prepares us for the big one, what prepares us for this time is being faithful and, 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 and going through that. That's what prepares us. Think of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, Daniel stood up to the lions and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through the fire. But why? Because of the food test. They didn't eat the food sacrificed to the idols earlier. They didn't pollute themselves with the world. They didn't give in and make compromise on the small things. They were ready for the big test. And we are go- God is preparing us for tests. He's preparing us for the real test. Just like a coach is preparing you. If you give your coach a hard time, you're not going to be ready for the game. If you give your, your teacher a hard time, you're not going to be ready for the, 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 the final exam. If you give your parents a hard time, they're trying to teach you how to drive, and you're giving, ignore them or giving them a hard time, you're going to fail the driving test. And that's what God is doing. He's preparing us for the big test. Are we ready for that big test? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, How is God speaking to us? Maybe he's speaking to us saying, let's just look forward to the second coming (laughs) or or an early rapture. That would be awesome. But he's warned us. Jesus has warned us. We're going to have to go through pain until we get to the baby. There's going to be trials and tribulations to get to the second coming of Jesus Christ. What trials are you facing today? What trials are we facing? Are we giving up? Are we coasting? Or are we learning to do battle? What tests are you taking right now? That you need God's mercy and God's grace in. Are we deceived by the world in some way? Are we compromised in some way? Or are we battling? Maybe you're here today and you're falling flat on your face. God's grace is all about getting back up. God's mercy and grace is all about getting back up again, over and over again. Because the falling and the forgiveness is all part of learning to live by faith. And maybe your prayer today is, God, I'm just going to get back up again. I want to pass this test. And then pass on to the next test and pass that too. And, 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 and just, God, I need your mercy. And I need your grace that you promised at the throne of grace. I want to be ready for the second coming of your son, Jesus. Maybe here today you're not ready for the second coming because you've never acted on the first coming. You've never put your faith in Jesus 
and his death and his resurrection for you. You can't live by faith because you've never been saved by faith. And your eyes are closed. You're blind just like every one of us was. But the Holy Spirit can come in and open your eyes. The only protection in this life now and later at the end times is faith in Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith in Jesus Are you ready to take that step now? Maybe you're just hearing about Jesus and you're wrestling through it and you're on a faith journey. That's awesome. Keep going. Keep taking steps of faith. But maybe today you're ready to take the final step of faith and give your life to Jesus. To have the Holy Spirit come inside of you and make you a brand new person in Christ. You can do that right now. You don't need a special religious ritual or a religious person. It's a prayer between you and God. Just say, God, I I ask you to forgive my sin. Everything I've ever done wrong, everything that goes against your word, I ask you to forgive me because I'm repenting of that old life. I don't want it anymore. I'm asking you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus who died for my sin, who died to pay for that sin on the cross and he came back alive to prove he was your son. I put my faith in him, my hope, my trust in him. I give my life to Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, something radical has happened to you. It may take you time to really see it all, but believe me, something has changed forever. You now can have a relationship with God as your Father. You can talk to him anytime through his son, Jesus. And I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've prayed that prayer and given your life to God. You've taken a step to follow Jesus. Let somebody know because we want to encourage you. We want to be excited for you. We want to encourage you. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card. Tell a family member, a friend, someone who's here with you. Let somebody know today. Let them know today so we can be excited for you today. And help you today. Let somebody know. Father, I pray that we would all be ready whenever Jesus comes for us. We would be ready. I pray that we would not be like so many who have been deceived. You would help us to discern that your Holy Spirit would burn in our hearts and in our minds and the word would would bear fruit. I pray for conviction in our life, whatever in our life, 
needs to be burned away before your son Jesus comes for his holy bride. I pray that we would respond to that conviction. We would battle. And Lord, I especially pray for those of us and every one of us who is struggling with something that is maybe discouraged, even given up, lost hope. I pray that we would have hope today. Hope in your mercy and grace that no matter how many times we fall, we can get back up again. No matter how many times we can confess our sins and you are faithful just to forgive us our sins, that we would just keep, keep living by faith. Keep trusting in your mercy and grace. Keep taking these baby steps forward, growing spiritually. I pray for that hope for each person here. In Jesus' name, amen.